0: The challenge is not only the regulatory change that already is in there, but I would say the pace of regulatory change that comes in, because on a daily basis even, new taxes are being uh, coming out of the EU Greendale, so the trigger is in many cases the flow of goods in this perspective. And then you need to be ready, so one day you think you have it all kind of like organized in the back, and the next day there's new regulation coming in.
1: Welcome to the Future of ERP podcast. My name is Richard Howells. I'm a vice president for thought leadership for SAP's ERP, finance, and supply chain solutions. And I'm joined by my co host, Oiku.
2: Hello, everyone. My name is Kilgar. I'm a blogger, marketer, and podcaster in the area of ERP and supply chain at SAP. And today we are going to be discussing the path to the green ledger and how finance departments can lead the sustainability transition with our guests, Stefan Müller from SAP and Andrea Fogel from Deloitte. Stefan, Andrea, welcome. Could you introduce yourself, your role at the company, and a little bit about why this topic is important to you?
3: Yeah, thanks a lot, Richard. Thanks a lot, Oiku. Hello, everybody. My name is Stefan Müller. I'm a solution manager of SAP, working in the area of finance and sustainability. Well, and uh, obviously, I mean, this topic of finance and sustainability is super close to my heart, not only as a member of the society, and we all need to somehow deal with this environmental crisis that we are also having, but also from a professional point of view, as I strongly believe that sustainability will have a big impact on the finance departments and that finance departments need to change going forward. Andrea?
0: Thanks. Welcome and thanks for asking me. My name is Andrea Vogel. I am a partner in our consulting firm and I work in the domain of finance. So we do a lot of finance consulting and that is, of course, nowadays all about digital finance, but I would say the last few years, although I am in the space of sustainability a bit longer already, but the last two years is the topic of sustainability is getting high on the agenda of the CFO, whereas I would have expected it to be already a bit earlier on the agenda of the CFO. So I do a lot of digital transformations and nowadays also sustainability transformations in the finance domain. And that goes for reporting on ESG APIs and requirements, but also especially on managing and measuring performance. On the topic of sustainability as you also said uh, stefan i'm a strong believer in the topic of sustainability as a person but i have to be very honest i think five years ago or so i already saw the opportunity at least for finance and i saw it as a sales opportunity so to say whereas that this is going to be big all the regulations that is coming in finance needs to step up and this is big work for us Whereas by now I'm also now really way more activistic uh, myself, so to say, as a not only as a person but also in my work, and I really now believe that we need to step up not only from finance but especially in the corporate environment, and we really need to change and transition our business models into, I would say, green business models. And I'm not even a big uh, kind of like believer, but I'm starting to get really a bit of a fighter towards this one, and really also. Guiding and helping our clients in that perspective to make that transition, because we cannot afford ourselves to not do so.
1: I'm very excited to have you both on this podcast because sustainability is a topic dear to my heart as well and for future generations. So as we're talking about sustainability requirements and how they are actually changing and impacting financial departments, the strategic and operational decisions that are made in financial departments, start with Stefan. I think it's true that we all believe sustainability is going to impact finance departments if it isn't already. But at what pace is or will this happen? First of all, of course, nobody can hide away from this environmental crisis
3: that we are experiencing, right? I mean, independent, if you are a CFO, a CEO or whoever is living on this planet, right? But I believe in the business world, it requires an extra focus from finance departments, right? Like Andrea also just outlined. Because what we see is that policymakers and standard setters alike, like standard setters like uh, IFRS or policymakers, like if you look into the US or if you look into the EU, or you also see this in in Asia, alike are targeting financial or capital flows to steer them towards more sustainable enterprises, right? And what does this mean concretely? I I believe that standard setters and policymakers intend to do this by demanding information about the company's sustainability risk and opportunities right including not only the risk and opportunities from a sustainability view but also what is the financial impact of these risks and opportunities and we uh, see a strong push or a big push right also if we look on what's happening on the g7 or what we also see uh, there's a very interesting platform i believe which is called international platform for sustainable finance right where Various policymakers come together to coordinate their activities. They roughly represent 50% of the world's economy. So there is certain pressure and there is certain urgency now evolving towards companies, right? So that companies adopt that because companies with less risk or higher opportunities in the end will receive a better valuation and therefore receive a competitive advantage, right? If they serve for capital to keep their business running. So you could say that the policy makers and standard setters, they play a little bit this follow the money game, right? And finance departments will be and are already in the middle of this when looking at the policy pace and and the standard setter pace, how they approach
2: this.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree with you, Stefan. And especially in Europe, I think the legislation has coming in, and especially the CSRD, standards, they are now drafts, but they will be finalized, I would say, soon, so they need to be implemented. That's a big driver for finance to finally step in. You can't say, hey, hey," well, that's only compliance, but at least it is a big driver because in the end, you not only need to report on a lot of requirements, so to say, but also disclosures need to have limited assurance being provided by the auditor. And that is typically now becoming an issue for our clients because what I saw or still see sometimes is that the topic of sustainability and also to report on it sat with the sustainability, so to say, departments within at least my clients. And the reporting was being done because it's in many cases around sustainability, non-financial data was being done in a very manual way. And that could be the case because it was still that the regulation was not in place. It was not that rigorous as what is now being required by the new legislation. So that whole manual exercise was kind of like doable, but for now with the new standards and also the pace that you need to report in because listed companies already need to report over the fiscal year 24, that's not a doable exercise anymore. And typically finance, of course, we own, so to say, we know how to report and we also know how to report in a reliable and traceable way. But we also do not know that much yet about the whole topic of non-financial and sustainability data. So I would say the fact that the regulation, at least in the EU, is a driver has also kind of like helped companies for finance to step up in their natural, I would say, role, which is a good thing. And I would say the business, together with sustainability and finance, really need to cooperate in that way and get it out of the silo, as it now has been in the last couple of years, out of the sustainability area only.
2: Does that mean the CFO is having a central, maybe even a dominant role in the transformation of industries to more sustainable industries?
0: I would say a very... Dominant is maybe not the right word for it, but they have a very important role to play because not only, as Stefan, you just described as well, you have a a different landscape of stakeholders who have a different interest in these kind of like sustainability reports that need to get out. Whereas at first you only had more or less your financial stakeholders being in many cases your investors. So yes, you are being looked at from society in a different way. And so the things that you report need to be The right information need to be very transparent, but it needs to show that you are transforming. It doesn't need to show that you are compliant. It needs to show that you are contributing to Mm. these greener business models and that you as a company are not having a business model that is, I would say, not contributing to the E, the S, and the G. And that is where finance really needs to play a role. And they need to help the rest of the business to make the decisions in the right way in order to not only reach the targets, but also really make that transition. So all kinds of investments that you need to do need to be not only financially, so to say, being reviewed and judged, but also a new aspect comes in that it needs to be maybe not only profitable, but also green and not at the cost of environment and contributing to your targets. These kind of like elements come in play. And that's where find that's the natural role that finance needs to play.
3: I also believe that the CFO, they even have potentially a predestined role to lead this change, right? Especially when you look at this very interesting change, if you ask me, which is ongoing on how the financial architecture is currently designed by policymakers and standard setters, right? I mean, to really target the way on how companies can get access to capital like Andrea has explained earlier, right? And the CFO, I mean, is at the center of this, right? They play a key role to ensure the company's access to capital and to ensure the financial stability of the enterprise to keep the business running and growing. And what I see and what I believe that, This point is exactly where the policymakers put priority, put pressure on, to really initiate the change in the industry, right? And that's why I strongly believe the CFO will have a central
1: role to play in the industry to initiate and lead this change to a more sustainable enterprise. Andrea, you must meet with customers on a daily basis. So what are you seeing in the field? Are companies already experiencing this urgency to change and adapt these processes, or Are they taking a wait-and-see approach?
0: Well, it varies a bit, although I honestly do see, and you're right, I see clients on a daily basis, but now literally on this topic, it comes at me as a tsunami, whereas I already had expected it to be in that way for, I would say, two years ago or so, and I was really wondering why that was not the case. And that, as I said, the fact that they now need to comply with these standards, that helps a lot. Clients are starting to see that they need to do something different here. Whereas, of course, the majority of our clients are already on the topic for several years, at least the ones who are listed. Uh, But as said, it was not that rigorous, so to say, the way that they reported on it. And there are frameworks in place, but it was not like a standard framework that needed to be complied with. So, yeah, they are now really stepping up. They also view it as a complex exercise because, as I just said, the data that you need to have is different than financial data only. And it is not only carbon. It's also, for instance, food waste and plastics and diversity and all kind of other matrices, so to say, of data that is maybe available, but yes, can only be made available in a manual way. And in many cases, it's not even available. And that's the struggle that our clients now have. And that is typically the questions that I get on a daily basis. Andrea, how do I do this? I know where to report on. I have set my strategy from a sustainability perspective. I can sometimes also challenge that one, but let's say that's in place. But how do I do that? And what from a data and a technology perspective do I need to get in place in order to be ready to not only report, but also steer on my business?
1: And I would imagine that the business systems come to play here because you're not just talking about getting data from the finance area, you're talking about getting data from across the supply chain. Exactly. Across the company. Exactly.
0: And as I also just said, sometimes even from your suppliers, so outside of your yep. information, because you also need to report on not only your scope one and two, as eh, so on your so to say your own footprint, but also on scope three, and that's a completely different exercise and also different processes that you need, because you then need to rely on data from third parties.
1: And yeah, well, I'm seeing at least that's the most difficult data to get exactly. because it's not within your control. Exactly.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So you've
1: both mentioned a little bit that policies and standards are coming into place. Policy setters like the Security Exchange Commission, the European Union, and that newly formed International Sustainability Standards Boards. And these are starting to change the way that companies are evaluated. And what advice are you giving and would you give a CFO listening to this podcast as they start to adhere to the rules and regulations? Andrea, maybe I'll start that one with you.
0: Yeah, I would say that's not also a question that I get all the time. What will happen if I'm not compliant? Because this is a heavy exercise to get off the ground. What if I'm not ready by 2024, Q1 2025, to report on 24? And I'm, of course, not the one to judge. I'm not an auditor eh? because, as I said, in the end, the auditor needs to have an opinion on the report and on the disclosures uh, made. So it can be that auditors go in quite rigorously because I also need to mention that the standards that are now in place. Finally, we have a kind of like a framework which we can all use, but it is still up for interpretation. It's not as much details as for instance, the IFRS standards that will probably happen over time, but there's still a lot of room for interpretation. So when do you do it? When is it correct? So to say, and when are you compliant? And I would say that's at least the advice that I give to my clients, take it in a practical way and focus really on the key issues because not everything is as relevant for every company. And in that perspective, they need to do a materiality assessment. Use that materiality assessment also to kind of like really weave that into your strategy. Decide was really key for you and focus on these ones. And for the rest, if you're not able to really be compliant in the end, explain and be very transparent what you're doing. Because if you're able to explain, and in some cases, even our clients, they need to really, they aren't not able to really go as fast as we might want them to go. With for instance, the whole Airplane industry, yeah, well, there is not yet an alternative, so to say. So technology also needs to come in. But if you kind of like explain your roadmap towards the full transition and what you are doing, then I would say that helps a lot. Because as Stefan, you said, all the stakeholders are looking at your report. If you're showing progress and show what you're after, then I would say, of course, there might be an opinion. And some of your financing or investors might have an opinion on that one. But at least you explain and the ones who are not explaining, they will be treated badly, I would say.
1: So showing that you're making progress and have a plan yeah. to get to the yeah. end goal, that's what yeah. you talked about.
0: Because that's the whole issue now that Shell also has. So they are being accused, not by the fact that they are not moving, but they don't show the way towards it. And according to their stakeholders, they are not going fast enough.
1: It's like any uh, software implementation, it's good to have incremental steps along the way to get exactly. to your ultimate goal exactly. Show progress. exactly yeah and maybe to add to that
3: right on on the advice of the cfo i would like to add first of all to say hey don't wait too long right because the, <laughs> what is ahead what we see this is a big task not only from an organizational point of view right so you might need new organizational setup in terms of, because you get new data sets that you need to manage, that you need to govern. Somebody needs to be responsible for this data set. Somebody needs to manage this process of sustainability data now in the finance departments, right? And as Andrea said in the past, this might have been done already on a very pragmatic way, right? But now if you report to the authorities, you better make sure you have the numbers right. and yeah and then the second advice i would give hey this is not only an organizational or not only a data task it's a combination of both so you will need new data sets you will need new organizational um, setup and the combination of this can be a complex exercise so don't wait too long and start thinking about it now as on if you look at the second on the fact sheet that they released they want to have this ready for the fiscal year of 2024 and I'm pretty sure in the European Union and we will see similar timelines. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: What do you think is the main motivation of the customers to invest into sustainable solutions in their finance departments? Is it the policy aspect alone?
0: It's a big driver now, and that helps, but it is not only the policy aspect. I think I mentioned before, it's the fact and the sense of urgency that business models need to change. So the ones who will not change their business models, and just to give that as an example, if you have a current business model with a negative footprint, every dollar of growth is a dollar that is not contributing to your target. So it doesn't reduce your targets. So you need to change that. But you do need to, of course, be profitable because you cannot have a not profitable business model in the end. You need to have a profitable but also a green business model. And that's the biggest driver, I would say. So that's the biggest motivation for our clients to now really make this. Because if you either have a non-profitable business model or you have a non-green business model, you will be punished, not by the regulator, but by your stakeholders. So that is the biggest motivation, I would say. And that is finally now starting to get on really acknowledged by the C-level. And that is now dripping down, of course, to the other domains and enterprise functions uh, at our clients as well, because... Stefan, you already mentioned, it's not just crunching the numbers, it's all the supply chain that also needs to then change. And for instance, if you step into the circular economy because of it, your business model does change, but also the processes change. Because if you're going to, like, now all of a sudden recycle, I don't know, clothing or so, That's a new process. If clients are bringing back their shoes, then you need to have a process in place to not only recycle those shoes, but also really report on that recycle activity. And that is high on the agenda now, and it takes a lot of effort to do this right.
1: And again, that's across the whole business. That's not just a finance issue. That's a policy you need to apply across all areas.
0: But finance is now really taking a lead here because whenever you do need to set up new processes, you better do it right instantly because, as I said before, it needs to have that reason of that limited assurance on that record. So the data that are derived from these processes and these activities needs to be uh, reliable and accurate data.
1: I love the comment you made around profitability and sustainability because it's not either or.
0: Yeah, that's why I said that all the kind of like matrices that typically the CFO kind of like prepares, so all the monthly. Reports that are going out in future, I would say. It will not only be the hardcore PL, but it will be a PL integrated with maybe a PL on carbon or a PL on waste or a PL on plastic. I don't know how it will look like, but that will probably happen. And also, for instance, as you just described, Richard, let's say you are a category manager in procurement. You now are not only being rewarded on P times Q, so volume times price, but you need to now also volume times price times sustainability. So maybe you will end up with having a higher price, but a lower, so to say, a sustainability emission or I don't know what's the, And then yeah. so on what level that category manager needs to have that data in front of his in order to make that decision?
1: Yeah, that's a trade-off that you have to make in some cases. Now, We've touched on my next question a little, but maybe we can have a delve a little deeper. If you had to pick out one main challenge customers are facing to manage the change, what would you say it is, Stefan? I mean, as outlined earlier, right, I believe this
3: topic of new data points is a very interesting one among others, but I think this data point topic requires some special attention, right? As finance departments need to manage a lot of new data points next to the financial ones that they already manage, right? And that involves several tasks, right? I mean, you need to identify where to get, where to source this trustworthy information from. If I allude mm-hmm. to this scope 3.1 example that we discussed earlier, data from your suppliers. I mean, you have to go to your suppliers, ask them, hey, what is your footprint? Is that trustworthy data? Is this good quality data? Is something you need to judge, right? You need to think about how to structure and manage the data in the end into key performance indicators, right? So just the data might not be very business relevant. So you need to transform this into into KPIs. And eventually, also you need to implement a whole governance framework for this data, right? Who's responsible, how to coordinate, right? How to manage the quality, and eventually how to ensure auditability and traceability, right? Similar to what we already know from finance today, right? Yeah. Yeah, because as I said, I mean, if you report this to the SEC again, for example, right, you better make sure this number is right. Huh? There is no work base for Excel files. Right?
0: No, no, no. no. <laughs> yeah. I've said the challenge is also not only the regulatory change that already is in there, but I would say the pace of regulatory change that comes in because on a daily basis, even new taxes are being uh, coming out of the EU Greendale, so plastic tax, CBAM, you name it, And that all needs to be embedded in your core processes. The trigger is, in many cases, the flow of goods in this perspective. And then you need to be ready. So one day you think you have it all kind of like organized in the back, and the next day there's new regulation coming in. So you need to really be prepared for that. So that's a big one. And I think the other one is really also the demand of stakeholders. And I think we touched upon it a bit already, but... I think, for instance, and of course, your customer is always a very important stakeholder, but nowadays customers are having a different view on companies, so to say, and the products that they buy. But that also goes for employees. We already have the phenomenon of climate quitters that that didn't exist two years ago, I would say. So what if you indeed end up with a business model which is not in the end sustainable, we all have an issue, I would say, with getting the right uh, workers in and employees. So there's a different angle towards how you really manage your stakeholder and the demands that they have. And the other one is, I would say, but maybe you touched upon it already, is indeed the whole complexity around the collection of that data. That is really a new phenomenon, that whole scope three thing. And I need to see how that works. And I will think that there will we will end up with having at least companies maybe have their private ecosystems in place, but maybe we will also end up with a more generic ecosystem where we share that kind of data in a completely other way than we are now currently doing. So that is, I would say, the three top challenges, I would say, that to master the changes as you just described it. Thank you.
2: As we're in the future of VIP podcast series, let's have a closer look at the software support to the Change. So my question is, how can software solutions support customers during this transition? And how do you see ERP systems evolving in this matter?
3: Oh, if I may take this question, right? I mean, th- that would be a longer answer as I'm working for an ERP uh, <laughs> <laughs> this provider, right? But as we already outlined, right? I strongly believe the sustainability aspects will touch various aspects of ERP and financial systems, right? So let me try to give it a go and to summarize it. I mean, first of all, I believe, as we already discussed earlier, that ERP systems need to evolve towards a state where they can manage financial and sustainability data simultaneously and eventually structure sustainability data using financial dimensions. Yeah. So, for example, to make it concrete, right, an ERP system provides a p based on the company code level. And now you need to show the emissions on the same level or even structure it down, for example, to cost centers or to profit centers, for example, right? Which can in the end help a company to take not only strategic decisions on sustainability, but also operational decisions, right? Looking at cost center data, for example. And I would even go that far to to see this eventually evolving onto the transactional level. And you might say, okay, this is a little bit of a stretch, right? But then I would say, okay, but how would you then avoid double counting of emissions yeah, between company codes? Yeah. If you can't consolidate intercompany transactions, for example, again, let's assume there is one jurisdiction that demands emissions linked to their country only. Now that company code sells a product to another company code, so in an intercompany transaction. Now we need to count product emissions at the center, because this is where we record the local emissions to the local jurisdictions. And on the receiving plant as well to report their local emissions here. And how do we want to achieve this without having this intercompany view on sustainability? Because if we don't have that, we can't consolidate it, right? Eventually we would count the values double at the receiving and at the center plant, right? Something we know already from financial revenue transactions. And I, I truly believe this is something that we will also see in the sustainability area. So yeah. We need then a transactional view of the data, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I haven't even touched now on risk management or on yeah, exactly. planning. We also need to go into that. So yeah. I mean, this story could go on for yeah. for an hour now, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I can really yeah confirm what you're saying. And our clients, and again, I'm really getting that question on a daily basis, Andrea. And again, the how question, but also. How do I really embed that in my current I kind of say, technology landscape? And if it's not available, how do I solve it? And sorry to say so, Stephen, but I still need to tell my clients, yeah, there's not an end-to-end solution yet. And hopefully there will be soon, but they will now need to get from that whole manual exercise as I just described, and you will be surprised. It is still, and our clients, uh, the majority of the work is still very manual. They need to automate that. You can still do it manually, but that takes a lot of effort. And it is also very costly. So our clients want to have it automated as soon as possible, especially keep it as close as possible to the single version of the truth, so to say, and that is in the ERP layer. And I advise my clients to really kind of like, have that end in mind, what is possible within that ERP uh, foundational layer, so to say, and if it's not getting there yet, um, at least have the conversation with your ERP provider on what is possible in the future and if not, find an interim solution or another solution that kind of like with the end in mind is still sustainable in that perspective, but keep this as close as possible to the single version of the truth. And that's actually where the ERP players really need to play a role.
1: So I'm just looking at the clock and we've been chatting for half an hour, which is shocking, which means it's flown by, which means I found it interesting, <laughs> at least hopefully everyone else has found it interesting. <laughs> So I have one final question that we do ask all of our guests. And Andrea, I'll ask you this one then. So how does Deloitte see the future of ERP?
0: Well, as I said, I am hoping that we will have a ledger way of thinking ERP around uh, the topic of sustainability data. And so that in every kind of like process activity that you have, for instance, you book your invoice of the hotel stay, so to say, you instantly, instantly, also book your footprint. So you have literally a ledger with all kinds of other currencies than only financial currency. That would be my dream, at least, and I think that will. Hopefully, you're able to comment on that, Stefan. But that would help our clients also to really, as I just described earlier, have that information on a daily basis at their fingertips, so to say, to make the right decisions, not only business uh, transition, but also to make the right decisions in that transition towards these greener models. So, yeah, that will be, I would say, the ideal situation and have it as much as possible completely automated because that will help in the end, of course, on um, having reliable data in the end.
1: So every transaction has both a financial and an environmental yeah. cost? Yeah, Stefan, do you want to add something on the future of ERP? They are putting this one point front and center, right? That this is not a
3: topic of one practice only or of one solution only. Um, I believe or I see ERP systems need to address this topic more holistically, right? Looking on the accounting side and on the recording of transaction side, but also then looking on how to eventually translate this into risk and opportunities, So going into the GSE practice going into the financial planning practice because we also need to plan the financial impact going forward. So not only looking at this retrospectively into the forecasting practice and also eventually into the whole analytics and uh, dashboarding, right? So to provide management, the right data, the right dashboards in order to make strategic decision next to the operation ones. So bottom line. Where do I see the future of ERP? Well, sustainability and financial data going hand-to-hand, evolving into one data set and then taking it into the processes end-to-end from accounting over to planning, over to risk management, GRC, into the reporting aspect.
0: And if I may add to that, Steph, I also have, so to say, it's not a dream even, I would say, but if we have that, Richard then we are really able to kind of like shift the needle and become net positive in all of our companies. Because if we do not have that information, we might think we are making the right decisions in order to change our kind of like business models. And some companies do, but if you do not measure, you do not know. And we already have some examples where we helped our clients in a manual way to see what the impact of the new business models are and, all, and what the impact of their old portfolios of measurements that they're taking is. And in some cases, they do not reduce targets. So you need to measure. And if it's really all transparent and visible and measurable, then we can make the transition.
1: Thanks, Dan, Rea, and Stefan, for a great conversation. It's been very enlightening.
0: You're very welcome. It's very nice.
1: It was a pleasure, and I'd like to thank everyone for listening. Please mark us as a favourite and you can get regular updates and information about this and future episodes. But until next time, from OiQ and I, thank you for discussing the future of ERP.